folks, on today's podcast, it's a follow-up to the last health insurance alternative. A lot of you guys are quitting your day jobs eventually, and the question comes up, what the heck do I do for life insurance or not life insurance for medical insurance to pay my bills in case I get sick or something bad happens to me? So we're going to be going through this today with another alternative um, just to get that in your ear and you can be thinking about it. And this is the kind of stuff we talk about at our events, which is going to be coming up very soon. Time is running out to sign up for the retreat. Go to simplepassacashflow.com slash 2023 retreat and sign up there. Uh, actually, we'll apply there if you are not in our family office group and you're a newcomer. But really, there's no other way to build relationships with other investors, meet myself, ask all the questions you'd like, all even the hard questions. I think that's why we create this intimate environment where you guys can ask those difficult questions. But something I've been working on, I decided not to go forward and buy a house to live in because, I mean, my problem is I don't have W-2 day job and clean financials. So what mortgage lenders will do for people like me is they need to get me past this income verification. They want to know that I can pay, that I have the income. But because I have no W-2 salary, I have they have to look at my either my 1099s, which I report, or they look at my bank statements and they go through all my stuff. And as you guys know, mortgage lenders are in-the-box thinkers. They don't really understand. It's pretty common that on, on, on investors, they bang their head against the wall because the mortgage lender is like, you lost all this money on this K-1. So yeah, you're supposed to lose a lot of money. It's all depreciation and paper losses, which is supposed to offset and lower my taxes. But it hurts you in this situation. But there are lending options, as I discovered, for folks like myself and a lot of you guys out there who show a lot of negative losses from the K-1s on your tax forms to save thousands of thousands of dollars in taxes, which is in what my opinion, how you're going to do it. The trade-off is when you're trying to get a home loan and especially a home loan over that jumbo loan size to buy a one, two, three, four, five million dollar house and above in this tough situation. But just to see so you guys don't have to go through the brain damage. Like once you get past the income verification, which I did, right? I got past that dungeon stage. Basically, it's credit score determines your amount of how much loan you can get. They're quoting me. I need, they need to see 50% loan to value or loan to income. So they figure out what my income was. Uh, I didn't agree, but whatever. It was decent enough. And then that's how they figure out what your maximum monthly payment is. If you guys want to hear more about this in detail, we had a podcast about this in the last year non-qualifying home mortgages and HELOCs with Benson Pang. If you guys want to go check out the website on this. But, you know, the quotes that I got back were like nine and a half to ten and a half percent. And I'm all for taking the arbitrage between the your cost of borrowing your money and then go invest it and make more other places. But that really tests my fortitude, right? It's not like you're paying four or 5% in an infinite banking policy and you're going to go make 15, 20% plus because now the interest rate is higher and also the yields have dropped in deals because the cash flow is a lot lower and due to uncertain times worth where interest rates are at right now. So that will change probably next year. This kind of point in time, I was like, yeah, not the best. And I got to admit, I was a little sticker shocked by the monthly mortgage rates there. But it just kind of pissed me off. And it's, you know what, I'm just going to go pay cash for this thing. And I don't want the mortgage lender to get 1%, 2% on this thing. I even looked at, so th- this is 30 year fixed mortgages. 
And I also found that in this non-QM, non-qualified mortgage world, where they actually treat you like adults and let you make choices, even though they may not be good for you, that they also allowed for some interest only for the whole note, which was I, from what the comparison I made, like you're paying maybe half a percent higher. So you're paying point a 9.5%, it bumped it up to 10%. So not much. Definitely made the payment come down maybe by 10% per month. But in theory, if you're a used debt to your advantage purist, right, you want to get that interest only. But obviously that that clashes with, I think, most conventional thinkers out there. Still, at the end of the day, kind of felt like just buying a house just was, I think this is where it comes down to more personal, how you are, how you view life. And like, I'm more to spend money on experiences and things. I'd rather go and spend a few thousand dollars a month or heck, even $5,000 a month on meals with other time savings, spend time with my family or just have less stress of doing saving money, like drive driving to Costco to stand in that awful line to save $10 or for me, $30 in gas because my gas, my tank is pretty big, but yes, or spend that five, $10,000 plus on a mortgage at a very high interest rate. I think it made that the made it very obvious. And I don't know what I was thinking. I'm sure a lot of you guys cut waiver and like bad purchases like that is I think for me, going through that exercise, I was interested and I also wanted to share a lot what I was seeing in the non-QM world in terms of mortgages. And But also, it was a good exercise for me to you know reiterate what is it that's really important to me? What is my ideal life? And if you're somebody who wants to buy a big house because that's important to you, that's totally cool. I no qualms about it. And I think it's great that you own it. But if you're somebody who's on the fence and you can't have everything, but you have to figure out what is the most important thing you that's, I think, the message. And that's my takeaway. If you guys want more insights on this, catch up with me in Hawaii when you guys come here in January for the retreat. There's still time to sign up for that. And if you guys are new to the group, join the club, simplepassacashflow.com slash club. And uh, we're also going to be doing an Ask Lane show. So make sure you're on the email list. You can sign up on that list and you can submit your questions at simplepassacashflow.com slash question. We'll air it on the show. And enjoy the podcast. This is a story about a dude named Lane. He moved to the mainland and bought one place to stay. And then one day he went and tried to rent them out. And then he became one real investor man. Hey, Simple Passive Castles listeners. Today, we are going to be talking medical sharing. What do you do after you leave that W-2 job and you leave that health insurance behind? some other cheaper alternatives and something that I'm personally looking at lately. But I'm going to introduce our guest, Thomas Lindsay on. I'm going, Thomas. Hey, how you doing, Lane? Thanks for having me. Yeah, so Thomas, he helps people transition from get out of this healthcare dilemma that we all will find ourselves after we finally fire the boss and leave that cushy W-2 job behind. So let's just start from the top, right? You get health insurance, but maybe we can talk about how it's a little bit, you know, it's expensive. Why is it so expensive in a normal setting? Well, it's expensive because the insurance companies and the hospital systems like it expensive. They make their profits are a percentage of the cost. So one of the things that happened with the ACA is that they said that you have to spend 80% of the premium on medical care, right? And then the rest can be used for administrative expenses, including 
profit. How do you grow your profit if it's based on a percentage of premium? You grow your premium. Right. And therefore, you grow your profit. You can't shrink premium and make more profit. You make less profit. The whole thing, and and it was that way before the ACA. I think the ACA just really accentuated the storyline, which is the more premium people pay, the more the insurance companies make. And it's just a, it's really a dirty little system where consumers are left to think that this is somebody else's money. I buy insurance and then the insurance company pays for my medical expenses. And I have no idea how much it costs. I have no idea how much they're being billed, how much they're paying. I think they're working for me in my, on my behalf to keep costs down, but they're not. Right. And a lot of my investors that are doctors or dentists, and they see this from the other end, they've got to do all this coding. Actually, I have a few investors that are actually the coding people who mm. support the, the medical staff doing all this stuff. And that's not cheap, right? No, there's, it's over, it's 33 to 35% administrative burden, essentially. And it's ridiculous, right? Because when you have that third party in the middle, it just creates excess costs. If you've been listening to the Simple Passive Cashflow podcast since 2016, you have seen me well change my mind a few times. At one time, I thought buying a bunch of rentals was the way to financial freedom, so you could be that cool guy at the local real estate club with all the other misguided landlords. As I became an accredited investor, I discovered the three-step system that we use today. First, syndication deals where you don't invest with dishonest operators to get better returns than the 401k financial planner garbage. Second step, get passive losses to unlock the tax best practices that the wealthy employ. And last and least impactful, number three, infinite banking. If your net worth is not yet $1 million, check out my free turnkey rental remote e-course at simplepassacashflow.com slash turnkey. All right, speaking to accredited investor to accredited investor, my one, two, three system is very simple to implement, but it requires plugging into a community of purely passive accredited investors like ours. Join our investor club for more insider access. Go to simplepassacashflow.com slash club. Those who are looking to deploy more than $250,000 their first year or make over $300,000 in annual income or net worth over a couple million dollars should really look into our exclusive inner circle called the Family Office HANA Mastermind, FOOM for short. Learn more at simplepassacashflow.com slash journey. So for a normal person leaving the W-2 job, and I'm assuming that traditionally those people you would go and you'd get like a bronze, gold, or silver, or just a right open market plan. Is that correct? Yeah, you have a yeah, you have a couple of options, right? Once you no longer, once you're no longer part of a group health plan, you can either go to the exchange, or go to the private marketplace, or get an association plan. So if you're a CPA and you're part of that association, then they'll have an association plan that that you might be able to access and use. But those are your three choices. And they're all terrible because the premiums are high. The benefits are low. It's a poor value. And, but that's all that, but that's what's available to the individuals. And what is that? What is the somebody who is maybe 50 years old, pretty good health, single person, how much would they expect to pay once they leave their corporate job per month? On health insurance so. if it's just them or them and their spouse and yeah they're gonna pay they're gonna pay six seven hundred dollars in employee an individual premium and a family um, of five that kind of uh, goes up 
two or three. Well, if you're a family and you're, yeah, if you're 50 years old and you have family coverage, you're going to be in the 1700 to 2000 plus range for any kind of benefit, right? Yeah. Yeah. Which isn't that much, actually. Traditionally, people think that you don't want to leave your day job just because you are going to have medical insurance. But I always tell people, hey, do the math, right? If your medical insurance is going to be $1,000, $2,000, that may just mean like a few rental properties. And there you go. You don't need yeah. to stay at your crappy job for the extra 15 years or stay the extra four years to get that supposedly grandfathered health insurance plan. Yeah, it's real short-term thinking, right? You uh, A lot you of this stuff is like we're brainwashed to thinking like the health and coverage is this magical benefit. But yeah, it all costs money at the end of the day and it costs, you know, you, I guess what we're saying here, if you go to the normal bad options, you're going to spend to a thousand or $2,000, but we can do better than that. That's why you listen to podcasts and listen to the stuff, but we're going to talk about medical cost sharing today, which I guess maybe you'll start at the price, right? Like how much does this typically cost in comparison to the normal stuff? It's going to be about 60% less than what you're currently paying and you'll get you'll have lower out-of-pocket expenses typically as well. So not only is it cheaper from a monthly cost standpoint, but when you actually go to use the benefit, when you actually go to get medical care, you're going to pay less out-of-pocket with most of these health share plans and specifically with Sidera. Yeah, so take us how, what is this thing and how does it work? How is it that it's saving the costs are so much lower. Yeah, it's saving because it puts you as a consumer in charge of your care. And also you are shopping for the healthcare, right? So you're a cash pay customer and the health sharing organization will reimburse you for the expenses that you incur that are beyond your chosen level of self-insurance in in essence, like the deductible, right? So if I'm going to pay the first 500 of each need, then everything after that would be shared among the community. But the way it works is you present, let's say you, if you're going for a voluntary procedure or appointment, you can either, there's no network, so you can go wherever you want. You can choose your own doctors or hospitals or whatever. And you can either call and talk to the care logistics team and they'll hook you up with a provider or you can do that yourself and go where you want. But you present yourself as a cash pay customer and they will bill you. You might have to pay something up front when you're there, but you want to pay, you don't want to pay any more than your chosen, what they call initial unshareable amount. So you don't want to pay any more than that and then have them bill you. And then when you get those bills, you send them into Sidera and then they share them among the community and send you the money to then pay the provider. So it's different in that regard, right? Normally with insurance, you, you show up, there's going to be a copay and a deductible. And even you might even know that there's coinsurance, but you really don't know. You wait for the provider to tell you what that is. And they have to look at your card or maybe even call the carrier and then charge you accordingly and then they bill the insurance company and then the insurance company pays them. And if there's something that you owe, you'll get a, you'll get a bill for that. And it's like a paperwork nightmare. You get bills, you get explanations of benefits, and you really don't know what anything costs. 
and you don't care because it's somebody else paying for it or you think the insurance company is really looking out for you and keeping the costs down. But you'd be, you'll be shocked when you go from that model to this model of where you actually are engaged in the process and you're aware of what's being billed. Right. It's a so game changer. One con, obviously, that you just mentioned is you got to come out with a little bit of money out of pocket, which is probably no problem. Average listener here, they've got a few 10 grand sitting in the bank or 50, 100 grand in their life insurance policy. They, so they can come out of pocket a little bit. So then you take the, when the real bills come through, the majority of the cost, they take that to their the medical share group, which how many people are typically in one grouping? Well, it's the entire community. So with Sidera, there's a little over 17,000 um, members that are pooling their resources together. And there's all kinds of medical sharing groups out there. Some of them are there small, are. some of them are pretty large. So you can build some of a steady state. Because I think I've seen some really small ones where it's maybe like a few hundred people or I don't know how they're exactly all smarts, but the yeah. medical sharing facilitators, like, all right, they, they bring in the bills and they call up client 57 and 84 and 236 and say, send Tom a check for this much and this much. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a real convoluted way of doing it. So two things I would say to that is one, anything below a thousand would, I would not want to be a part of. If you're a large employer, then when you get to a thousand employees or maybe 1500 employees, that's when it makes sense to start self-insuring to where you're, you're up to a certain point, right? You, uh, but before that, you don't want to be, there's not enough people to spread the risk. Not enough steady state. Keep the cost down. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say that. And then to your what was your other point? You, you said something else. And I, just well, I guess to... another question I have is oh. you know, people are like, all right, this isn't like a huge institution. Even 17,000 is a smaller number. You know, I think people are worried, especially people that are, they have some money and they maybe they take care of themselves because they know fitness is the real wealth after right. a while. How do I make sure I don't get into a group of four foot five, 300 pound people who eat Twinkies for lunch every day? <laughs> That's a great question. And the, you know, there's really no way of knowing that at a certain size, it's going to be the average of America, which is not, the average is not good, but the way costs are controlled is makes all the difference in the world. So one, there's pre-existing condition exclusion. So any condition or any, anything that you have that's been treated in the past three years or been diagnosed in the past three years, or that you're even, you're aware of, and maybe you didn't even get treatment, you have that issue. That's not shared, not fully shared among the community until year four of your membership. In year one, they don't share anything. In year two, they'll share up to $15,000 towards that condition. And then you're three, 30,000, and then you're four, it's fully shareable. So that's one way they do it with pre-existing condition limitations. And then through the cost control mechanisms that they have in place and just getting actual fair pricing from providers instead of paying the inflated costs that the insurance companies pay. And then other services like second MD, if you're getting a second opinion, they also don't, don't pay for things like if you're drunk and you get in a car accident, that's not shareable. If you just are like injured breaking some, the law. 
like there's some religious affiliated, which the one that you're working with, they're not religious affiliated, but I know some of the religious affiliated, they won't pay for things like abortion or Correct. some certain other procedures. So you got to be careful about those too, right? And so that's how some of the ways they control the cost and make sure that it's, it's really for situations where you're in an accident or you're, you get ill and it's not self-inflicted. It's not something you didn't need to have, something voluntary, right? So those are ways to control the costs. And it's amazing what you can achieve when you do that. You can significantly reduce costs by, more than by half, utilizing yeah. those tools. Yeah. And I think it's just another example of like, if you're just going to do what everybody else does, you're going to get slaughtered with everybody else. (laughs) If you invest in the 401k, you're going to work at your day job for 50 years. If you invest, if you use the same healthcare coverage as everybody else, you're going to pay two or three times the price. But like anything else, it's, it's not without a little bit of work. And, but I, what I keep telling people, especially in like past investors, seller and mastermind that I have, it's not that hard to be an astute investor. You don't need to underwrite deals. You don't, you don't need to like go traveling. There's just certain things that you need to do. And this is just a small example of that. There's some tricky things here. But I guess, Thomas, like, where do we start? Like somebody's quitting their job in the next year or two. Maybe take us some practical steps of engaging with a company like yours. But what are some ways of comparing different options? Yeah, step, step one would be to evaluate your own current health situation, right? To determine whether, do you have a pre-existing condition? Are you getting regular treatment for that? How much does that cost? If you can, you can do a little bit of homework, just because you have a pre-existing condition doesn't mean that you won't be better off in a health share arrangement. You just need to look at the, the, how much that actually costs you, then look at the health share and say, okay, how much are they going to share towards this in year one, year two, year three? And how much will I be saving when I ditch my insurance and go with this route, because I can use that savings to help cover some of those costs, right? So you got to do that analysis. And then there, there are several, there's probably only really five health share organizations that I would consider. And so you'd go and do a comparison to see who's got the best, best membership benefits for you, right? So those would be, those are really the two steps that, that you need to take to get the ball rolling. Yeah. And what would you say like less than half or about 50% savings be the typical on these things? Yeah, I would say 40% plus easy. I saved 62% when I switched after I left my corporate job and then I lost, I couldn't afford the Cobra premium because my income was cut in half. And I went without actually for a while trying to find something that, that I could afford. And that's when I found a medical cost sharing and I was paying $1,750 and it went down to $487 in essence. So I think that's actually more than 62%. But yeah, you guys can, I'll put all this information along with other information about the subject, simplepassacashflow.com slash healthcare. This is something I'm looking into these days. I've got health insurance through my wife, but I want her to quit that silly W2 job that's really the only thing holding me back or, and I know a lot of people back from quitting the day job is just this, what are we going to do for healthcare? Right? Yeah. Somebody I heard use the term spouse with benefits that people are looking for spouses with benefits or that's the reason, the only reason that the spouse is working is so that they have the health insurance and, 
It's a, it can be a game changer. It was for me. And I've been in insurance my entire career. I'm, a, I'm an insurance professional. I've, I, as a, in my corporate job for 23 years, we did payroll, HR, and employee benefits and work comp insurance for employers all across the country. And we would provide health insurance plans on a group basis. We would put together self-insured plans. And so I, I've been in the space my whole career. I just never realized as an individual out a free range chicken out in the wilderness, how difficult it was and how expensive it was to find healthcare until it happened to me. And I was super grateful to have found this, this alternative. And so I'm a huge advocate for it. And again, I, when I first came across it as an insurance guy, I was like, my red flags go up and I'm like, this is not. Yeah. I mean, for me, it was, it sounds too good to be true. But then when I start to travel and I meet other investors and join different masterminds, these are the things that we talk about, like which, which Medishare are we using or healthcare sharing plan? Somebody mentioned to me, like there's one with like a bunch of CrossFitters, like those kinds of people with eight packs and can, Mm -hmm. I don't know if they make them run like a run test or what, but like. Someone mentioned there's some health sharing plans with that. I want to get in those. Those guys don't ever get sick. <laughs> yeah, there's one affiliate for Sidera out of California who has a CrossFit. And so he promotes it among his CrossFit membership. And I think he's rolling it out to other CrossFit, specifically to CrossFit companies yeah. to offer to their membership. So oh. for the insurance company, it behooves them to get those type of fire breathers in their community because totally yeah they want the people who are health conscious who doesn't mean you have to be you don't have to be a health nut and or be in superman shape but just caring a little bit about yourself and eating in things in moderation and getting exercise and moving around it goes a long way to reducing how much of a burden you are on the healthcare system yeah i'll be on the lookout for that one Anything, anything else we think we missed that like kind of folks new, newer to this, they need to know about? Yeah, just there's a, you want to look at what the pre-existing, first of all, I would say this is definitely something everybody needs to take a look at. There's no reason that you need to continue to do the same thing over and over again, like you were saying earlier, yeah. and expect a different result. The right? 401k of healthcare, get all that <laughs> yeah. stuff. Costs aren't going to go down and it's not going to get less expensive. And this is a way where you can take control and have a little bit of individual responsibility in the system and really fight back against the huge corporations that control healthcare in this country. So wear it with a badge of honor and go out and help make a change. And because that's the only way things will change is once the insurance companies fill that, but definitely check it out. Fight the power. And what's your contact for people to get a hold of you, ask more questions? Yeah, you can reach us at gotpurehealth.com. You can find me on LinkedIn. It's Thomas Rock Lindsay. And then, yeah, I'll put this all up on simplepassivecashflow.com slash healthcare, along with a lot of other things I'll find on the subject. And we'll figure this out together, folks. And this would be another good option, joining that Simple Passive Cashflow Accelerator program. You get in and you build relationships with other sophisticated and accredited investors. And you talk about this stuff. This is not something you're going to just walk down the street and say, yeah, I, I do this for my healthcare. It's a little personal. So we make people sign confidentiality agreements so we can talk about this stuff freely. Thanks for joining us, guys. And we'll see you guys later. Thanks, Lane.